You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Danielle Liss. Each week, we will help you unlock the secrets of influencer marketing through interviews with leading professionals and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing. Hey there, this is Danielle. And this is Jamie. Welcome to episode 33 of the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast. I'm really excited for today's episode where we are interviewing Laura Curry. We're going to talk a lot today about difficult communications, which I think is such an interesting topic. We're talking about, you know, how to do those hard conversations. I know the answer for me is I don't really like dealing with this type of thing. Jamie, what are your feelings toward having those difficult conversations? So it's funny in my professional life, I'm totally fine with it. I'll pretty much say or do what needs to be said, whether it's hard, easy, it doesn't bother me. My personal life, it's a little bit harder. So I have a funny little distinction between the two, although I am getting a lot better in my personal life when something bothers me or I'm upset about something or I need to have a difficult conversation. I'm getting better about that. And I think it's just because I have kids now. (laughs) And I feel like many of those conversations are difficult. (laughs) Oh my gosh. My son is four and those conversations take a turn quickly. And you're like, what now? Where did uh, you just take that? Oh, okay. And I'm like, um, wow. Okay. We're going down this path. Let's, let's, this, this is uncomfortable, but we're going to do it. So I think I'm getting better about it personally, but professionally, I think that comes from my many years litigating. Um, if it's just by its very nature, very adversarial, even though I was never an adversarial litigator, it still kind of forced me to become more adversarial or to deal with people who were very adversarial. It's funny. I'm thinking back on this. And when I was first starting out, one of the partners that I worked for was the nicest guy, like when you met him in person, but on paper, vicious, like so mean. We always joked that he just, he had mastered the art of the poison pen. He would get into these intensely adversarial exchanges and then they would call him and he'd be like the nicest guy. And I think there was this huge disconnect for people. So I understand what you mean about having kind of two worlds where you're like, this is how I am in one place. And then in the other one, eh, not so much. I'm so grateful now because our law practice sort of enables me to be me. In my previous practice, I had to be a completely different person than I was in my personal life. And that was hard because I'm not adversarial by nature. I'll stand up for myself, but I don't enjoy conflict. But I felt like every step of the way, everything was a fight in my previous life was a litigator. And so I'm incredibly happy not to have to do that anymore. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) I agree. Well, let's first talk a little bit about Laura and then we will take a quick break and then dive into her interview. So Laura Curry is a podcaster, speaker, and the author of Difficult Happens. She works with professionals in high stakes, high stress, purpose-driven fields. With over 25 years of experience in high conflict positions, she has a unique and intuitive understanding of why people act and react the way that they do. She's passionate about helping business owners create strong teams, make honest and meaningful connections, live with less stress and anxiety, and establish strong boundaries that free them up to fulfill their business mission and achieve their goals. That sounds awesome. I cannot wait to hear her interview. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Hashtag Legal. Hashtag Legal is a full-service law firm specializing in influencer marketing, social media, and service professionals. We offer a wide range of services, contract review and drafting, trademark and copyright registration and monitoring, FTC advice and disclosures, and full site reviews, including drafting site terms and conditions and privacy policies. Check us out at www.hashtag-legal.com. Laura, we are so glad to have you here. I'm so excited to talk with you today. I've had the pleasure of meeting you in October at a conference, and I am so glad you can join us. You have so much great information to share. Before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Thank you, Danielle. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. My background is a little varied. I started out as a investigative journalist, and then I became a private investigator where I was able to dive a lot deeper into the stories of people and their backgrounds. And then I became a court-appointed guardian ad litem, which is someone who takes care of the kid's best interest in high-conflict divorces. And it really led me to understand the themes in conflict, not only as a private investigator in a GAL, but back when I was interviewing people for my uh, stories and pieces in journalism. The idea of being an investigative journalist sounds so incredibly cool. And I really do want to talk about that with you at some point, maybe next year when we're at the same conference again. But right now, I really want to talk about you specialize in helping people get through those difficult communications. How do you define that in the work that you do? Any interaction has the potential to turn out negative, and it really depends on whether or not people are being seen and heard. There's so much misunderstanding and miscommunication that's going on right now. It seems like everyone is so defensive. And in the work that I did, I started to notice patterns, reactionary patterns in the way that people behaved that led a normal conversation to turn into a conflict or just a a really defensive interaction. And do you think that's just because of people's personality types. I am a complete personality test junkie, so I'm kind of obsessed with that. But do you think it is a matter of that people react certain ways to things? Absolutely. We all have our reactionary stance or our go-to defense mechanisms. And if we feel defensive or judged or make assumptions about people's perceptions of us, it puts us right into that reactionary stance where we feel a need to defend ourselves. It really stems from us not feeling like we're being heard or understood. That is so interesting. And I really think it's important that you said that just about any type of communication can go down this road. When somebody's in the early stages of our business, like so many members of our audience are, what do you think are some of the most common, difficult conversations that they might encounter? You know, this is why this subject fascinates me so much. It involves your internal dialogue and your external dialogue. When we start our businesses, I know I I had this problem. You feel very isolated 
and you feel alone. And sometimes you're working through your business and how it's going to go. And there's a lot of changes that happen. And you end up having to deal with things like uh, negotiating with vendors or hiring new team members or uh, selling your services to potential clients. And with that internal dialogue or the mindset that you bring to that exchange, it can go really positive or really negative. Everything you said just resonates so much for me because I have definitely seen those things in myself when you're dealing with something new. Sure, I've negotiated contracts on people's behalf for so many years, but when you're negotiating with somebody on behalf of your business, it's a very different type of negotiation. You have a different role and quite honestly, it just feels different, right? Absolutely. It's funny that you said you are a, a test junkie. You know, I love all that Myers-Briggs and Colby assessment and all the different personality tests because we are all very unique, but with a theme. We bring our own history to every conversation and any interaction. And along with that, our expectations and our assumptions of what's going to happen. And of course, all of our judgments, our internal judgments and our judgments about the negotiation or the person that we're dealing with. It's so true. I love the idea that we're unique with themes. I might just put that back and steal it at some point. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> you wrote an awesome book called Difficult Happens, which I have had the pleasure of reading. And in the book, you talk about different ways that people deal with these difficult communications and conflict. Can you tell us a little bit about the different styles that you see in people or those themes, as you would put it? Yeah, absolutely. It goes along with that unique, but with a theme. There are proactive ways that we act and reactive ways that we act. The four main categories are perfectionist, controller, the innocent avoider, the fixer pleaser and the victim blamer. Now, when I look at like the perfectionist controller, when you are putting restrictions on yourself or assumptions and judgments, it shows up as trying to be a perfectionist, trying to do everything right. When you feel defensive or you are externalizing that pattern, it shows up as controlling, trying to control the situation. And the same follows through for the innocent avoider or the fixer pleaser. I'm going to throw out there that maybe the perfectionist Rings true for me um, a little bit. So I like that you talk about both the proactive and the reactive. I think it's really important to know that there are going to be different styles in how you approach those. And then to be able to start to recognize it in yourself when you're going into that mode, I always feel that the more you know about yourself, the better you can grow as a person, hence my love of the tests. So that's very handy for sure. Absolutely. So what do you think drives how people deal with conflict? I think it goes back to their defense mechanism, you know, to kind of lean on all those tests. I, I think of everything from your birth order to where you live to your love language and your attachment style. It all plays into it. We want, again, to be heard, but we also want to be able to almost predict the way things are going to go. And sometimes we make assumptions and jump to conclusions. It kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I go into a conversation, let's say with a vendor, and I think, oh, they're going to try and get this contract for cheaper, or they're going to try and take advantage of me, I'm already in a negative headspace. If I think, oh, this collaboration is going to be great, it's going to, I'm a assuming that everything's going to go well and I'm making some judgments that I'm putting on that person and I'm using the way that they act and react to inform 
my decisions and to inform my assumptions around how everything's going to go and how how the conversation will unfold. That's really interesting. Since people approach conflict in so many different ways, are there characteristics that you see come up over and over again in conflict and difficult communications? Absolutely. So we all feel emotions all the time, but certain emotions have a purpose. They have a job to do. Well, there's three that I think of right away. One is fear. The other one is anger. And then the other one is confusion. They're all kind of uh, different sides of the same coin. They are protectors. When we feel fear, we need to protect ourselves. When we feel anger, that's the way that we protect ourselves. And when we feel confusion, that's the way we protect our mind or our internal side. And it gets back to feeling judged and kind of having... Um, assumptions about what people are perceiving. When you have a difficult conversation, it can be about anything. I think of, well, like for me, I hate talking about money. Money is a real trigger topic for me. Math sometimes gets in the way. Uh, It's just one of those topics that comes up that a lot of people have a lot of emotions around. So confusion kind of steps in to protect me a lot of the times until I can get back into my own head and deal with the emotions around the conversation. But if I don't have that opportunity, If I'm having a conversation with someone and this topic comes up, I get defensive. And sometimes that defensiveness shows up as anger or fear. I'd like to dive into these a little bit because I think this is really interesting. If someone is feeling fear, do you have any advice for them on how they can approach the fact that they know that's an emotion that's kind of their go-to in a conflict. Do you have any advice for someone who says, okay, fear is my issue. How do I get that in check before I'm dealing with a conflict? I love this. We all have heritage emotions. Those emotions that we felt initially that protected us the most throughout our history. Um, Fear is a big one and anger is another bigger one, especially for women. Fear and anger has protected us from a lot of different situations. The fear informs the anger. What I do is I check in with my body. My fear shows up in a certain place, and it's usually like a warm flush on my face or a pit in my stomach. Once I start to get those feelings, I ask myself, what am I afraid of? Is it a real fear? And what can I do about it? So what that looks like is, what am I afraid of? Uh, I'm afraid of looking stupid. I'm afraid of being interviewed on a podcast and saying something really dumb and someone is going to say, boy, that was really dumb. Is that a valid fear? Well, yeah. Can I control it? No. What am I going to do about it? So once you kind of walk through why you have the emotion and its purpose, and if you want to get a little woo-woo, you can even say thank you to the fear. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for trying to protect me. But I got it. I got this. I love that so much. I really love the idea of thanking it and then trying to let go and recognizing all of the sensations that you're feeling as a result, trying to redirect them. I remember in law school, one of my professors had said, it's good to have butterflies. You just have to get them to fly the way that you want them to or fly information. I'm I'm mangling a quote. I know I am. <laughs> but <laughs> it reminds me of that because I think it's so true. So from what you're saying, it sounds like you can deal with fear and anger in a similar way. Do you deal with confusion in the same way? if that's one of the emotions that you fall back to? Yes. Confusion is a critical self-protection mechanism. And usually when I feel confused, I know that that's my mind's and my body's way of saying it's a time for a timeout. You need to get into a, a safe place, whether that's just in my mind or safe physical space, and kind of dissect what's really going on. 
because confusion is the next step. It's a secondary emotion. It comes after the fear and after the anger when you're not paying attention or you're not listening or you're not walking through what you need to walk through. That's why I love difficult stuff because within difficult is our greatest opportunity for growth and understanding. When we look at it and really dissect it and don't push it away and shove it away and just say, buck up, you know, we start to see patterns and habits. And with that awareness, you can change it. Or you can just acknowledge it and be like, yeah, that's that's a personality trait of mine. I'm, I'm going to have to see how I can deal with that. I love all of these tips so much. And I will also say, and we've talked about this on past episodes, money is also a huge one for me. And I have done, I think, a lot of the kind of work that you're talking about with confronting the fears that go around with that. Now, mm-hmm. we've talked a lot so far about how we personally react in conflict And of course, most conversations have at least one other party. These kinds of conversations, when they're on those difficult topics, they can escalate a little bit quickly. Do you have any tips on how to prevent that escalation from happening? The very first thing you need to not only know, but really understand is you cannot control anyone else's behavior but your own. And the most important thing to control, especially around a difficult conversation or escalation in a topic, is to slow down and get curious. If you take the defensiveness out of the way that you react, they have a chance to take their defensiveness down a notch. So if you get curious and you get open, it really can help de-escalate a conversation that's escalating. How do you recommend people get curious? Is it just a matter of asking more questions or is it more about the introspection that you talked about? So if you can draw out their intention, um, so you can use curiosity statements like, well, tell me more about that. Well, what do you mean by that? Okay, I think I see what you're saying. And then you can repeat what you think they're saying and then ask them, do I have that right? It makes them think a little bit more about what their intention is. Because again, we all just want to be seen and heard and understood. By getting curious and asking questions, you can give them an opportunity to find a different way to articulate their intention to you. That's really great. Now, another area that we often see is... Unfortunately, way too frequently, we see business owners become so overwhelmed with stress. And I'm going to raise my hand. I have been in this situation personally where you just feel overwhelmed and you kind of hunker down and say, I'm just going to avoid all the things right now. And they might put off some of these difficult communications because it's just one more thing that feels like it's going to be stressful. Do you have any tips on how to prevent conflict and not avoid the hard stuff. You know, your body keeps the score. And so when you start to feel stressed out or got a stomach ache or a neck ache, I mean, those phrases, shouldering a burden and pain in the neck and sick to my stomach, they're around for a reason. People know that they internalize stuff. And especially us as business owners, we can really overwork ourselves, especially if we have perfectionist tendencies. So the first place I like to look is what is the outcome that I'm trying to achieve? And then I try to look for the pattern. Okay, where is this negative outcome coming from most often? Is it around my time? Is it around my money, my energy, my interactions with other people? What can I control? What can I not control? Where do my boundaries need to be strengthened? You know, sometimes just taking stock, taking some time to see what is the negative outcome? What is creating so much stress? What can I do to change it? And you can insert a disruptor between when you get triggered to have those feelings and internalizing it to the way that you react. Now, when it comes to boundaries, you can set boundaries with other people pretty easily. 
I mean, usually you have someone pushing on your boundaries, so it's easy to defend. But when you overstep your own boundaries, your own internal boundaries, like boundaries around your time, answering the phone at all hours, constantly just putting out fires, responding to emails late at night, you are pushing your own boundaries and you need to strengthen those with yourself. So when you feel those senses of overwhelm, that's the first place to take a look. What is the outcome that I want to happen? Why is it not happening? And where do I need to strengthen my boundaries, whether it's internal or external? And then you can add that disruptor in to change your reaction. I love all of these tips. I was just taking furious notes because I really, I want to remember these things for myself too. I think it's so important. I love the idea of inserting a disruptor. Do you have recommendations for people on the type of things they can do there? Yes, we have uh, this phrase, opposite to action. So if you have a consistent theme, a pattern that is playing out with a vendor or with a client or with you know a family member, you insert the disruptor before the reaction. Let's say I always react with anger or fear or in a certain way by answering the phone, by putting out fires late at night. The disruptor would be the opposite action that you would normally take. That's really, I think that makes sense. So avoid answering those emails late at night. Don't put yourself into the situation and then go from there. Is that, am I understanding correctly? Absolutely. Or verbally answer opposite to action. If you would say no to something, say yes. If you would say yes to something, say no, or make it a not right now. It really depends on each individual pattern and what's happening. And for me, um, again, I feel things really physically. So I take note physically with what's happening. Some people, it's really spatial. You know, you need to get up and get out of your house or get out of the room or meet with that person in a different environment. For some people, it's verbal. The way that people communicate with them really sets them off and triggers them. So take a look where that is for you. And you'll probably know inherently like what situations make you react in a certain way. I think a lot of times, particularly for people who are in a service-based business, I think that we see people who have issues with boundaries when it comes to the work that they do with their clients. If somebody has gotten into a situation where boundaries have become a notable problem, do you have any recommendations on how they can get things back to a more ideal place when it comes to where they'd like to see the boundaries in the relationship? You can always get a backseas. <laughs> <laughs> you decide what you can do. And even if you said yes to something, you can go back and say, I know I told you I was able to do this, but I'm not. And we're going to have to renegotiate that or we're going to have to have another conversation around that. You can go back and say, I know that this is what we both thought was going to happen. However, I've thought about it and this is what I'm able to do because people can't argue with what you say you are able to do. And then be sure to give them space and time to process that and to think about that. And they might go through something like, well, you said you'd do it. Well, I was expecting that. Well, now what am I going to do? Because they're going to need a moment. You've been thinking about it. They're just now hearing about it. You can redraw those boundaries or reaffirm them. Sometimes it's a slippery slope. You'll notice that you start doing a little extra work for a client and you just send it off because it's super easy. And then they start to expect that. Uh, it's good to go back and say, you know what? I did that for you for free and that was my mistake. Um, I usually charge for this package. So the next time, if you're going to need that level of service, we're going to have to renegotiate that contract. Great tips. I There's so much good information that you've given. Can you tell people a little bit about how they can work with you if they think they need help handling some of those more difficult communications? Absolutely. I uh, can do a free strategy session 
Kristen. And actually for your listeners, I, I'll give you a link. I have a free lunch and learn with Laura. It's a virtual lunch. And we can dive into any patterns that you have noticed that you're struggling with. And I'll help you discover what disruptor you can input to make a change and ease the stress and anxiety around that negative pattern. There's also a lot of free information on my website. Uh, there's some downloads about what to say when you don't know what to say and navigating difficult conversations. That's fantastic. That is such an amazing offer. Thank you so much for making that. And we'll include a link to that in the show notes. So just pop over to the show notes and you can get the link for the um, the lunch and learn. Now, before we wrap up, I definitely want to make sure that people know about your book, Difficult Happens. And just if you can give us a brief summary of what the book's about, and then of course, where people can find it. So yeah, I go over those four main tendencies, that perfectionist, the avoider, the pleaser, fixer, and the blamer, and how that shows up in your life, not just your work life, but your home life, your social life, and internally, and how it might impact the way you react and act, and what triggers it, what kind of boundary issues there are around that, and what you can do to change it. And some things you don't want to change, some you kind of want to foster and, and explore more. So the book kind of takes a look at that in all areas of your life. And then I also do some skills and mindset stuff in there as well. And you can get that on Amazon.com or on my website, which is L-A-R-A-C-U-R-R-I-E.com. Awesome. And I have read it, everybody. Thumbs up. I recommend it. Before we wrap up, can we ask you our rapid fire questions that we do with all of our guests? Absolutely. Awesome. Number one, coffee or tea? Coffee. I'm a Seattleite. <laughs> I was going to say it makes sense. It makes sense. Number two, besides your own, what is your favorite book? It can be business or not business. You know, I've read nothing but business books for the last couple of years. But the first thing that came to mind was a book called The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. It's a sci-fi. It's really good. I have heard of that one and I haven't read it. So I'm going to put that on my list now. This That question is often just how can, what else can we add to Danielle's to be read? Um, <laughs> next question. What was the first thing you did to celebrate success in your business? What did you do for yourself? Uh, I took myself to a spa and got a full day just for myself. That sounds amazing. Do you have a word for the year? If so, what is it? It is visibility. And thank you so much for helping me with that. <laughs> of course, we're happy to. Now a question that can be somewhat divisive in our community, Apple or PC? Apple. Okay. And then last but not least, we want to make sure, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yes, I am on Facebook and Instagram, and I've got a website, and it all is L-A-R-A-C-U-R-R-I-E.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I've learned so much in this interview. Thank you. This was so much fun. That was as awesome as I thought it was going to be. Did you feel like you got some good tips on dealing with those more difficult situations? I definitely did. It's always good to have those tools in your back pocket, even if you don't want to deal with them. <laughs> it makes it a little bit easier when you have to, because let's face it, they come up. For sure. Well, we want to hear from everyone listening. How do you deal with having those difficult communications? Do you like it? Do you avoid it? Let us know in the HQ. If you're not a member, you can join by visiting businessease.com slash HQ. And for show notes, please go to businessease.com slash episode 33. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businessease.com. We'd really love to hang out with you in our Facebook group, the Business Ease HQ. To join, visit businessease.com slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group, for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.